Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Let's turn to Acts chapter 20, verses 7 to 12. I'm going to read it through, and I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. You have the New King James, but just follow along with me, and some of the words will be, uh, especially for visitors today, or um, just a little more clearer in our language that we use today. Okay, so we're going to pick up in verse 7. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. I won't do it that long. We'll get out of here by at least 10. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus, and I'm just going to call him you today. Huh, that's interesting. Okay, you. <laughs> Sitting on the windowsill became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Paul went down, bent over him, and took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said. He's alive. Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper, and ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn, and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well, and everyone was greatly relieved. Title of today's message is, This is Your Life. This is your life. This is my life. And what's so cool is, today we have another day to live. We're here today. We can hear today, we can feel today, we can move today. Question that we all need to ask ourselves, are you who you want to be? Are you who you want to be? Or are there still some areas that you're working on? And that's a question today, I think, that's very important to ask. Are you who you want to be? Okay, before we get into this and before the skit, let's take a look at the reading today. Verse 7. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. This is one of the first instances in the scriptures in the New Testament where believers, like you and me, that believe that Jesus Christ came and died for sins, that he rose from the dead, and that he ascended into heaven, and that one day he's going to come back. This was one of the first gatherings of believers together in the New Testament. And notice that, as we do, we share in the Lord's Supper. We remember what he did. We remember what he's going to do and is doing in our lives. Now, Paul. Paul's name means small. Okay? Paul at one time was a big shot. And yesterday some of us went to Sight and Sound and we saw Moses. And remember how Moses started out. 
even if you weren't on the trip yesterday. He was a basket case. <laughs> Just like you and me, things that we go through. But his mom, when he put Moses in that basket to travel to a distance, she trusted the Lord with his life. She did not know what was going to take place throughout the days of his journey on this earth. Just like you, just like me, our lives are in the Lord's hands. Moses thought he was a somebody, but God had to show him that he was a nobody so he could build him back up so he was somebody God could use. Paul learned that same lesson. And it's cool that his name was changed from Saul to Paul. But remember, Paul means small. If in our eyes we're small and realize that only what he does in and through us is big, we got things in proper perspective. If not, God has to humble us. And he does, he does that all different ways through other people, through circumstances and situations that he brings into our lives. And he does that because he loves us. He wants to show us how much he loves us. He doesn't want us to be puffed up and be big. Because it's not by our might or our power, but it's by his spirit that we accomplish things on this earth and for eternity. Continuing in that verse 7, Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. Now, one of the things, one of the reasons Paul talked so long was he realized he may never see these people again. And they didn't have the technology that we do today, where they could listen to a CD over and over again, or go on YouTube or Internet. So Paul was passionate. He knew this might be the last time he would be speaking to them. Do you know that today might be the last time we ever hear God's word again? We don't know what's going to take place in our future, our individual future. And that's not something to be afraid about, but it's definitely something to be aware about, to have the privilege to be able to read or hear God's word. Do we avail ourselves enough to take advantage of it? Verse 8, the upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. And one of the things you're going to see in the skit today, remember, Jesus is the light of the world. But there are many flickering lights in our society today. There's many flickering lights. But Jesus is the light of the world. He's the bright and morning star. He was, he's the one who will never burn out. And the different philosophies, the different religions, the different cults, they're all flickering lights if they're not centered in the person of Jesus Christ and his word and his doctrine. And we come together, you know, a couple times a week to fellowship with one another, to break bread with one another, to listen to the doctrine that the apostles also read and studied and became familiar with. 
and learning about Jesus Christ. Verse 9, as Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus, but remember, what was his nickname? You. You. His name, Eutychus, means fortunate. How fortunate are you and me to be able to know the things that God wants us to know? How awesome is that? Do we really, um, do we take that for granted or do we allow ourselves to take in as much as the Lord wants to give us? 24-7, 365. It isn't hard, but many times because of the flickering lights that we're going to see part of the flickering lights, what happened with Eutychus. A young man named Eu was sitting on the windowsill and he became very drowsy. Hopefully that doesn't happen today as I'm speaking to you. (laughs) But he became very drowsy. And remember, Paul was speaking, I think, six to eight hours here, plus the flickering lights. Now, you've got to remember, it wasn't an electrical problem. It was like torches that were in the wall. (coughs) And probably what was burning off gave a scent in the room, and it was late, and he was breathing in those fumes, and he wasn't sitting in a great place. Be like somebody right now sitting on the balcony. Could you get down, please, from there and sit in the pew? Thank you, okay. But just sitting on, on a third-story window, and he started getting drowsy, and the fumes, and it was late at night. He became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. How many of us are drowsy and falling asleep, spiritually speaking. Because maybe we take God's word for granted. Think about it. That this is our normal routine on a Wednesday or a Sunday, just coming to church and we fulfilled our duty. But it shouldn't be a duty. It's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. It's a choice. It's something we want to do. We should be like sponges saying, okay, Lord, what do you want to teach me today? What is it you're trying to show me today about myself and the world that I live in? Because remember, God is, always, God is always previous. He's always been there before us. He's always preparing the way for you and me. In verse 10, Paul went down and he bent over him and took him into his arms. Now that your translation, I think, says he fell on him. Well, you know, we pray that God's Holy Spirit, who when Jesus ascended into heaven, he said to his followers, you know, go and wait, and I'm going to send you a helper, a comforter. It's going to be my Holy Spirit that comes into your life that even though I won't be with you physically, the Holy Spirit will be with you spiritually. And the Holy Spirit is here, where two or more are gathered. Jesus is right there in the presence of his Holy Spirit. And whether you put your trust in him in the past, or maybe you've never put your trust in the Lord. You put more trust in these seats today than you have in the Lord. That could be. And the Lord drew you to a place like this, or another place where you hear a message about who Jesus is and what he did for the human race. 
So Paul went down, he bent over him, and took him into his arms. You know, Jesus loves us. He cares for every single one of us. It doesn't matter who you are, how big or small you are. What you've done, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The greatest sin is, is forgiven by the greatest lover that ever came to this earth, Jesus Christ. And Paul said, don't worry. He said, he's alive. Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper, and they ate together. And Paul continued talking to them until dawn, and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well, and everyone was greatly relieved. We're going to revisit the last few verses of this. But I just want you to think about some of the flickering lights, some of the aroma in our world today that can make us fall asleep and get tired and lose sight of those things that are important. Now, dealing with kids for 41 years, and, and 41 years ago, my hair was not as short as it is today. <laughs> but throughout those 41 years of dealing with 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th graders, in those 41 years, you're going to hear a song by Switchfoot that the youth is going to do a skit to. But it's funny in those 41 years that some of the things I'm just going to point out here are still flickering lights and aromas that are making us fall asleep Including now, remember I said I'm going to shorten Eutychus' name to you? Remember in light of eternity that you're all youth. Think about it. Just think about that for a second. In God's eyes, you're his kids. If you put his trust, it doesn't matter by the timetable of this world. It doesn't matter if you're 10 or 20 or 40 or 60 or 80. It doesn't matter your age. In God's eyes, you're his kids or potential kids. But the world system that's trying to shape you and me into that, it's pretty interesting. A couple things I want to show before I bring the teens up. If you could put that last slide up, guys. Um, it says alcohol, um, the first alcohol today known as ethyl alcohol was discovered by the 10th century Persian alchemist Muhammad so-and-so. The current Arabic name for alcohol, ethanol, prop, the properly meaning is spirit or demon. Isn't that interesting that the root word of alcohol is spirit or demon. Now, just being in education and athletics for so many years, we've seen over the years uh, young people killed because of driving under the influence or being killed by someone who was driving under the influence, not being able to handle uh, what they consumed. But it's definitely a problem among our youth today is the amount of alcohol being consumed 
And you know, you can watch any, you watch your football games today, one of the main commercials is just pushing the alcohol. You know, and kids are watching that from young kids to older kids. So they associate athletics and sports and fame with that. And really, when you think about it, it's the exact opposite. It doesn't go together. Those guys could not be doing what they were doing if they were addicted to this substance. Um, the next slide, please. In Ephesians 5.18, it says, don't, be, don't fill yourselves up with wine. Getting drunk will lead to wild living. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, as eternal creatures, if we're putting our trust in the Lord, we know that this is a temporary world, that we're not getting any younger. Things happen and change, and eventually we die. But death is simply a stepping stone into eternity where what the choices we make on this earth will be of eternal value. Okay, next slide, guys. So alcohol being one of the things that influence our young people. Second thing um, is the image, the self-image of our youth. They're always trying to measure up to what they see in a magazine or they see on TV or in a movie. Okay, so the image. And, and you might be an older person here still dealing with this because you too at one time were a teenage boy or girl. And you might be carrying that through your life all the way up until the 40s, 50s, or 60s. I mean, that can happen and has happened. Colossians 3.10 says, And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. If you look at yourselves through Jesus Christ's eyes, you're one of a kind. You're unique. He made you just the way you are. There's nobody else just like you. And he created your DNA. He made you special. If you were the only person here on this earth, he would have come to die just for you, just the way you are. Now, I think again of yesterday, Moses. Here was this little Hebrew child being put into a basket because the Egyptian army was killing the youth. And God preserved him because God had a plan for that little baby. We know what the plan is. We have historical records in Egypt in our scriptures about this man named Moses and what he did in leading two, over two and a half million people out of bondage and slavery into a land we know today as Israel. Psalm 17 says, as for me, I will behold your face or uh, face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with your likeness. You see, we do not have to compare ourselves to the things or people of the world. We're made in the image of God. When we read God's playbook, he shows us those things he wants us to know about ourselves. Not only that we're sinners and we're not perfect, but our need of him in our lives. Not only to save us from our sins and prepare us for eternity, but to know each and every day the steps that he wants us to take. Do we have that love of his word? To do that, his word is a lamp and a light to our path. You'll see in the uh, skit coming up, 
you'll see something about drugs. And here's an interesting thing, that the Greek word pharmakia means drugs, and it's mentioned five times in the New Testament. Pharmakia is also translated witchcraft or sorceries. The, our English word pharmacy from the Greek word pharmakia comes from that word. And in Galatians 5.20, it says idolatry, witchcraft, which is pharmakia, or drug use. And we know, as parents, one of our concerns <clears throat> is our kids being exposed to illegal drugs. It's an epidemic proportions in the United States of America. Something to be taken serious by everyone. Okay, but notice, remember alcohol with the demon in the spirit? Notice there's also an underlying thing here of drug usage with sorcery and witchcraft. In Minnesota, just a couple months ago, they had a satanic high mass um, in an auditorium that was sold out. And instead of using all the normal things they uh, do, they would use substitutes because the state wouldn't allow them to use the normal things that they use. But it was right in the Minnesota area. There's satanic churches throughout the United States. So what spirit are we being influenced by? Because there is a war for our, our affections, our allegiance, where we put everything it's either going to be in God or it's going to be in the spirit of the world and the spirit that's in the world. Okay, what we want to do... Oh, the last one, I'm sorry. Big thing is rejection. So we talked about a little bit about drugs. We talked about um, the uh, alcohol, self-image, and now rejection. No one wants to be rejected. It doesn't matter how old you are. But how many times, right, teens in school, you'll see that. You'll see that negative peer pressure. Somebody's rejecting somebody else. And there's a, there's a girl or a boy down the guidance office or maybe in a coach's office just crying because of something that happened between somebody that they thought they could trust and cared for. And you might be here today as an adult still having the pains of that rejection that took place a long time ago. But we can take comfort in the Psalms. Psalm 27.10 says, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. See, the Lord will never leave you or forsake you. He's there, but he, he wants you to call on him. He's not going to force you to love him. That's why love is so great. It's a free will choice. It's something you and I have every day to make the free will choice of. We're not forced into it. And here's his love letters right here. So uh, we chose this skit today by Switchfoot <clears throat> for a reason. And John Foreman, who is the lead singer and lyricist for Switchfoot, explained this. He said, this is a song about what it means to live in an abundant life. And I think that when you're a kid, you have this desire to live and to explore and to breathe and to uncover what it means to exist here on this planet. That somehow as you grow up, as you are worn in by this world, that you lose that passion. And this is a song 
about getting that passion back. If you turn with me to Titus chapter 1. Just looking at the first three verses, I'll just read them. This is a letter from Paul. This is chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. This is a letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. And now, at just the right time, he has revealed this message, which we announce to everyone. It is by the command of our Savior that I have been entrusted with this work for him. Now, the question, the theme, the title is, this is your life, as that was the title of the song. Are you all you want to be? Well, Paul gives us some things here in Titus 1. Paul says in your scripture there, in the New King James, it says bondservant. Well, one of the trademarks of Paul, one of the marks of Paul, and hopefully a mark for you and me, is that we're bondservants. And that's very simple. A slave, after a, a period of time, could be set free by his owner. But sometimes a slave would rather still continue to work for his owner because he became a member of the family. The family adopted him in. So he chose, he had a free choice to be a bond slave of the owner. Well, you and I have a free choice to be a son or daughter of the king. That's a choice that everybody has. It's not forced on anyone. One of the things in Titus, the apostle. They were apostles. He's an apostle. He's a messenger. He is one sent forth with orders. Another word we can use is disciple. Someone who's chosen to follow Jesus, put their trust in him and what he's done. And they're disciplined followers. They understand his word. They are exposed to his word. Because God is getting us ready for eternity, but he also wants us to be prepared for the things that are in this world, that are seriously happening more and more, faster as we're getting older. Things are happening in this world. We just have to read the papers about that. Talks about being God's elect. Do you know if you put your trust in the Lord that before the foundation of the world, God knew that you were going to do that? And if you've never put your trust in the Lord, he knows if you're going to do that or not. Because he's God. He knows all that stuff. The beginning and the end. He knows. Both ends of the spectrum. The acknowledgement of the truth we saw in Titus. What is the truth? Everybody's saying, what is truth today? There's so many different philosophies and stuff. What is truth? Well, Jesus said, my word is truth. Now, what was cool for me a long time ago, before I just, when I was contemplating to put in my trust in Jesus Christ, was I had to come to terms. Was Jesus telling the truth? Was he a fanatic? Was he a liar? Was he crazy? 
and by checking them out through the scriptures, through history, through the archaeological evidence, I found out he was who he claimed to be. And the best evidence for me that he is who he claims to be is what he's done in my life, taking me from point A to where I am today. They say there's no hope in the world. Things are getting crazy. ISIS is in our country. Uh, what's going on in the economy? As a believer in Jesus and a person who trusts in him, the world isn't falling apart. The world has fallen into place because it's his story. It's his history. He's got everything under control. Nothing's happening without his knowledge. And one day, we're going to see him in his glory, and it will be magnificent, and everything will be okay. But until then, he wants you and I, okay, to make it obvious to others that this is not a hard book to understand because God opens it up to us. If we could go to the last, uh, next slide, please. Oh, and I'm sorry, and here's something in Acts 2.42. And they, meaning those people who trust God, trusted Jesus, they continued meeting steadfastly, and steadfastly means they were firmly loyal and constant. They were consistent. You know, as a coach, we want loyal athletes. We want kids who are going to be at practice and work hard. And we believe that will pay off when they play in a game. And it does, right, ladies? We know that. They're coming off a very good season because they put in the time and the effort. And they're held accountable by people who care about them, parents and coaches. It's an awesome team. But are we firm and loyal and constant being part of Team Jesus? Are we? They continued in the Apostles' Doctrine. We got their doctrine right here, the Word of God. And fellowship, hanging out together, doing things with each other, breaking bread doing things, going to Moses. We went to see Moses. That was a nice time of fellowship, except for the guy who was always on the mic. Um, in the breaking of bread, in the breaking of bread, and in just talking to God. Next slide, please. One of the tragedies that we've all experienced, regardless of your age here, is the 9-11. Or now, if you were too young, you know about it. And I, I chose this picture. Um, I was on a uh, Gettysburg retreat with my brother. And he was just, he, it's called Spiritual Gettysburg. I think I share that with most of you. And he'll take us to the battlefield. And then the next day, uh, that night, he'll do a spiritual lesson of what you saw on the battlefield that day. So this was one of the slides he showed. And I want you to notice where the flames are and that you see some of the build, uh, Trade Center, the tower exposed going up above the flame. And I just want to ask you a question. You and I, what do we follow after the most? Is it the person of Jesus or is it our own whims and fancies? Is it our economy? Is it our bank account? Is it our victories on a ball field? You know, what is it? 
what is it that we really have a passion about? Well, in 1 Corinthians 11:1 1, it says, Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So this was Paul telling a church in Corinth back then. You know, be followers of me because I'm following Christ. Like, come on, let's go together. Let's do this together. You know, we tell our teens, hey, we win and lose together. We're going to go through this together, but we're going to get through it, and we're going to work harder, and we're going to figure a way out to put a better uh, group of competitors on the field. So follow us, girls. Come on, follow us. Let's see what happens. But we've got to be sold out to this. We've got to be one mindset. And here's Paul. Would have been a great coach, huh? Come on, be followers of me like I'm of Christ. Come on, let's go. Let's take this world for Christ. Let's tell people how much Jesus loves them. And then he also said, you should imitate me just as I imitate God. So in this building, there was a man that just lived right around the corner from me, Al Bracca. And he was above that flame. And he was a born-again believer. And God allowed man to create cell phones, and the people in this tower had cell phones. And they were making phone calls outside. Well, Al knew that he was not going to survive this when he was above those flames. He could have panicked. He could have. He could have been nervous and puking and all that stuff. But he wasn't. He saw it as an opportunity. A tremendous opportunity. If we could go to the next slide, please. If you know anything about Gettysburg, and if you don't, a quick lesson. It was a three-day battle. On the third day, there was a mile stretch of land, farmland. And on one side of the farmland was the north, the Union, and on the other side was the south. It was the south's last great stand to try to beat the northern army, the Union. This picture right here is the southern army coming from the south, going up this place called Pickett's Charge, because General Pickett was one of the men leading the charge. And the man that you see holding his <clears throat> hat on his sword is General Armistead. And General Armistead saw that men were falling to his left and right, that were falling in front of him, that were falling behind him. And what he did, he did not turn and run, but he put his hat on his sword. And he said, men, I'm going to continue to go. Who's going to follow me? And these men did. They followed him. The wall that you see is the high mark in the Union forces, and they crossed that. They got up there. It was about a mile away. Cannonballs, fire, battle, distractions, and they kept going. They were following their leader. Can we go back to the last slide, please? Al Bracca, when he was in the tower knowing that soon it would go down. He went up and gave the gospel to the people who were a captive audience that day. And he stood on a table and he gave the gospel. 
And he said, who is going to follow me into eternity? We don't know the answer to that. We will one day, because shortly after that, the towers came down. But Al had a rallying cry after he told everybody about Jesus' death for their sins, that they could put their trust in him, even though it was the last moments of their life. If we could go to the slide after the Civil War one, please. And that's what it's all about. Who's going to follow Jesus? Who wants to follow the Son of God into throughout the end of this world and into the next? It's a free will choice. It's a free will choice. You have that choice today. If you're here today and you've never received him, you can receive him. If you're here today and you're tied and you're a believer and you're tied up into some, maybe the, some of the stuff that you saw in the song, maybe the, the skit communicated to you some things that you're struggling with. Jesus said he came to set the captives free. Who are the captives? Whatever's captivating you. It could be mental stuff. It could be physical stuff. It could be economic stuff. It can be anything. If you're here today and you need prayer and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, but you need prayer for something, just be set free, whatever that is, mental, physical, whatever it is. I'm just going to ask you to stand in a minute. And then if there's anybody here who just wants to say, hey, I want to follow Jesus. I want to have that passion. And it doesn't matter what you've been through, remember. As we saw in Moses yesterday, he went through the highs and lows of life. He was a murderer. He had an anger problem. He had a stuttering problem. But he eventually became a nobody so God could make him a somebody to be used by him. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you. Let's have a